was teasing Angela that uh, she, you know, coordinated me coming and, told, you know, got my notes and said, and then she told me that uh, she had heard me preach before, so they're having 26 ladies leave, not be here today. <laughs> I was I was teasing her, but I told her I'd be praying for her as she, I think she's helping lead the, the ladies that went. Uh, today, I feel pretty comfortable in that um, my passage is a very familiar one, but the way I'm approaching it, my title is An Old Man Remembers the Good Shepherd. And uh, since I'm rapidly becoming more and more an old man, and I think of the memories that I have, uh, I can identify a little bit with David. You know, we tend to um, think of Bible characters, and oftentimes we just know their name, and we don't necessarily enter into who they are. But just a, a little bit, I want to enter into a little bit about who David was. He... Um, he, as he remembers the good shepherd, he remembers a little more clearly now what happened in his past that when he was living it, he might not have appreciated it. And it made me think about this morning with y'all fixing bacon and, and giving the kids syrup so that they'll feel good in the nursery. And although, you know, the, from your perspective, dads, you might be going, oh, she's coming home soon. <laughs> But from your kid's perspective, they might have a whole different memory of today, you know, and of, of time that they did things differently with dad than they did with mom and dad. But David had an interesting life, started as a shepherd boy. Uh, he killed a giant. He was a great warrior. It says he killed over 10,000 enemies. Um, he committed adultery. He murdered somebody. He was a so-so dad. Um, he became king. He loved God. Not perfectly, but he loved God. To the point that the Bible says he, he was a man after God's own heart. Which is encouraging for me because with his checkered past, he still had a heart that he loved God. And sometimes we think what we've done negates our ability to have a relationship with God. And David proves just the opposite. Um, he was also a poet and an author of songs like the 23rd Psalm, When He Looks Back. And that's the passage we're dealing with today. Um, when I look back over my years, let me just give you a quick story that happened in the last couple of years. Uh, in 2021, when all COVID was raging, I didn't have a sniffle. I wasn't sick at all. <laughs> I, 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 was, I thought, you know, this is great. I, I was doing well. Um, but then January of last year, I got sick, and I said, oh, it's just a cold, and it ended up being COVID. And after three days of nonstop coughing and no rest, I probably waited too long, and I went to the hospital just up the street. And um, the, after I was there a little bit, and they checked me out, the doctor scared me. He said, Ken, you have uh, not one, but two clots, one in each lung. And if one, if, if you could, if it breaks off, you could either have a stroke or a heart attack, and um, he did scare me. I think he meant to scare me, but uh, he, he said, uh, you're not in good shape. Um, so my COVID was called long COVID because it, it took a long time. It, you know, I experienced that brain fog that people talked about. It's real. Um, uh, so... 
I had been preaching at a little church in Denver for eight years. And, of course, when I got sick, I, I wasn't preaching for a little while. And um, two weeks before I planned on going back and start preaching again, the, the elders said they wanted to come visit me. I said, oh, that's great. Y'all come. They hadn't come before since I was sick. And, and I said, oh, good. They're coming to pray for me. But when they came, they actually let me go. <laughs> they said, we don't need you at the church anymore. And um, so I was shocked. And I remember asking God that night after they left, Lynn and I were just uh, flabbergasted, and I said, God, what are you doing? Well, you know, when you look back at a situation, sometimes you see things more clearly. I look back now, and if I had not, if that had not have happened, I wouldn't be at Joe Gibbs Racing. I wouldn't be a, a chaplain there. I wouldn't be in investing in some some of the men's lives there that I thoroughly enjoy. Uh, Lynn hears me talk about them all the time. I'm, I'm in, involved in their life, having small groups with them, and I love it. Bob Dyer would not have asked me to come. And by the way, uh, Hudson is my boss. So, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> but um, let's, let's read this psalm. It's printed there for you that um, the old man, as he writes this poem, this song, uh, he remembers this. This is the inspired word of God. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Um, I heard a story about a, a man that was preaching like me, came to, as a visiting preacher, uh, and he was going to preach on the 23rd Psalm, and he asked if any of the children had memorized the song and psalm and could stand up and quote it. And this little girl jumped up before anybody could say a thing, and she came up front without being asked. She just came up front, and she said this, The Lord is my shepherd. He's all I want. And everybody laughed, and, and then they listened more to what she said, and they go, Oh, that's true. That really is true. She captured it. So you see, the Lord is my shepherd. I'd like nothing. When you're satisfied with your relationship with God, you are more and more satisfied with what he provides for you on earth and in the future. David looks back as an old man. The first thing he says is, I lack nothing. His memories, he has a whole list of benefits he experienced as one of God's sheep. Um, he had very practical needs. Look, look at verse 2 as he remembers. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Of course, green pastures and quiet waters are linked together because sheep in the Middle East and in the, in the arid area that they lived in, um, they, could only, they needed water and they needed grass to eat. Um, from what I read uh, about sheep in that area that they like quiet waters because if it's a river, it's hard for them to get the water because of the, you know, evidently the anatomy of, of the sheep, their mouth. So they need quiet waters. 
And um, what I also read about sheep is when they see grass, they eat it. It's kind of like, you know, Southerners at a buffet. They eat until they can't eat anymore, and then they eat some more. And, uh, and sheep do that. That's why they have to be moved. That's why they need a shepherd. You can't just put them in, in one place and leave them there. They'll eat it all the way down to the dirt and then start eating dirt. Um, so they need to be moved with a shepherd. And sheep not only are gluttonous, not only do they need quiet waters, is they tend to wander, um, which sounds a lot like me. Um, sheep tend to be... Um, Stupid. Uh, if you're an animal rights person, they're just stupid. You know, some dogs are stupid. All cats are stupid. I mean, um, anyhow, let me ask you, depending on what age you are, you might have more vivid memories. When you look back on your life, do you remember times when you were stupid and wandered and got in trouble? Do you? The older heads are going, yes. The younger ones, ah, maybe you're not there yet. But um, the memories that come into your head, I want you to take those as we go through the, this psalm and apply them to this psalm and say, okay, yeah, I was stupid. What does this, this passage say about that? I wandered. What does this passage say to me today? We tend to like to provide for ourselves in our own strength. We're like the two or three-year-old that says, I'll do it myself, right? Um, well, COVID proved to me and proved to many others that we're not even in, in control of our physical strength. And here in Psalm verse 2, he says basically that as David remembers that God is taking care of his physical needs, just like a dumb sheep, he's taking care of dumb David and provided for him his whole life all that he needed. Verse 3. So as an old man, he remembers God providing for his physical needs. He goes on and says, He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. David remembers getting full of himself so much that he wrecked his life. He felt entitled when other kings went to war, he stayed home. When other kings were about the, the business of the kingdom, he was thinking more in other ways, and he got him in trouble. He committed adultery and eventually um, murdered someone. So he's on the wrong path, right? Everybody would agree David was on the wrong path. And now David, when he looks back, he remembers that God sent him a prophet to speak the exact words that David needed to hear to rebuke him and put him back on the right path. It was tough words, it was hard words, and he had to repent. But repenting leads to a renewal. And God was working in his life to get him on the right path. He, he was providing for his spiritual needs. One thing I've told many believers, if you're truly a believer and you're wandering, you will repent sooner or later. Sooner or later, you're going to repent. God's going to work in your life and draw you back to himself. It's going to happen because you're one of his. It's better if you do it sooner. And David's remembering that it took a prophet to come and talk to him. I want to tell you about, I'm not a dancer, Lynn will tell you, I, I don't even sway good. 
this, you know, it's a big disappointment in her life that I don't know how to dance and don't care anything about it. But I want to talk to you about the gospel dance, and it's a three-step process. And let's take one step. One step is you feel that you're in despair and you're in need of repentance. So you need to repent. The second step is you want renewal, so you must demonstrate faith. Despair, renewal, repentance, and faith. But often, and that happens all through your life. All through your life, you, there's need for repentance and faith. Guess what? Do you know how you came to Christ if you're a believer? Repentance and faith. That's the definition of conversion. It, there is no conversion unless you repent of your sins and by faith trust in the Savior. Okay? Repentance and faith, it goes all through the movie. And it goes all through your life. Repentance and faith, I told you it was a three-step. The third step is when you repent, step, step one, and then you demonstrate faith, step two, the third step is you have to move forward in mission. You need to do something with your faith. You need to accept your repentance, and then you move forward, and you're used of God to do that. Do you see how truncated it would be to repent, demonstrate faith, and then not move forward and not trust God without something that's impossible to please God? What, what is that? Without, do you know Hebrews eleven six? Without what is it, is it impossible to please God? Come on. Faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You must demonstrate repentance, then faith, and then you need to move forward and, and be used of God in what he wants to be, use you for. He didn't save you just so you feel good. There's a mission, just like Hudson mentioned the mission of this church, there's a mission for you individually and God's working in your life, and he uses faith and repentance and mission. you got to move forward. That's the, what I call the gospel dance. David, as an old man, is remembering that God caused him to demonstrate faith and repentance and get him on the right path so he could continue doing what God wanted him to do. God was not finished with him when he blew it so badly. God, David remembers as an old man, took care of his spiritual needs. Not only his physical needs, but his spiritual needs. Let's look at verse 4. What else did God do for David? Even though I walked through the darkest valley, King James Version says the valley of the shadow of death. That might be how you memorized it. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When I was a little boy, I know that's hard to imagine, but when I was a little boy, my grandmother lived in, in a part of the house was pre-Civil War in Richmond, Virginia, and we'd go up there a lot during the summer times, and um, it was an old house and, you know, with big windows, not very insulated, and uh, so I had this big bed I would sleep on when I would go there, and there was a window to my right and a window to the left, and... Um, there were just like shears on the window. I mean, where, and so when there were these um, big thunderstorms, it, it sounded, the sound felt like it was just outside the window. The, the house was kind of on a hill. It was on a 400-acre farm, and uh, so there were fields out. It seemed like the thunder would just, you know, accentuate when it came to the house and when it came to the, my bedroom. And so then the lightning would flash, you know, it would go through the shears and, and wake me up. 
And so whenever that happened, I decided I, I, I got scared. And so I would go, um, my grandmother's bedroom was just down the hall, so I'd go and she had a big four-poster bed that had two steps you needed to use to get up in it, you know. And I would climb up there and I would climb in bed with her. She had the same kind of shears. It was just as bright with the lightning. It was just as thunderously loud. But guess what? I went right back to sleep because Grandma Margaret was sleeping beside me. She was with me. It made a complete difference on my sleep because all of a sudden, you know, it, some some reason I just loved her bed because it seemed softer, it seemed warmer, it seemed nicer than the bed that I was in. But it was because she was with me. I knew she was there. Even Billy Graham said, you know, that he was a bit fearful about dying because he'd never done it before. He knew, he was confident of what would happen to him after he died, but he was not so eager to go through the process of death. Um, as a shepherd boy, da David traveled lightly. He carried a, a rod in his belt to defend the sheep from attack, and he also had a staff to support and help the sheep. You've seen pictures of those, no doubt. And as an old man, David knew God had protected him and guided him. He'd used that rod of protection. He had been in so many battles that he could have been killed, and he was not. He was victorious in all those battles. Even when they said David has killed, I mean, Saul has killed his thousands, David his tens of thousands, God had protected him. But he'd also supported him. And what a great image that the King David now, as an old man, remembers. You know, just like I took care of the sheep, my good shepherd took care of me. And in his mind, we might say, okay, yeah, he was in battles. But in his mind, he could remember maybe the giant. Or he could remember being outnumbered. And God delivered. He had vivid memories, uh, smells, all sorts of things that prompted him to go, you know, he summed it all up by saying, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David, as old man, admits that he needed help with his emotions and that God emotionally helped him with his needs because he was prone to fear. And now, looking back, he said, I will fear no evil moving forward, for you are with me. So in the last two verses of the 23rd Psalm, and if you've memorized this, and all of a sudden you're going, hey, I didn't see this before, that's good. And hopefully you're thinking about your life and how it applies to this. But in verse 5, he, he changes the metaphor from, from God being his shepherd to God being his host. And he says this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. He's saying, basically, God, you have and you will continue to provide all my social needs. Um, God had provided a victory feast over his enemies. He put oil on his bruises, gave him all that he needed to move forward. Um, more than we could ask or think. David's saying, God, you provided more than I needed. That's the kind of shepherd host God is for his sheep. Do you remember Jesus going 
invited to a wedding, and you remember they had an issue there. They ran out of wine, and it was kind of at the end. And, so, and his mother said, can't you help? Will you do this? And he, he took some water pots, and he basically made the best wine ever, and he made more than they needed, 180 gallons of the best wine in the world. And that's just kind of a short picture of how God provides more than we could ask or think. And in, in the best way. So David, as an old man, remembers God provided for his social needs. He gave him victories. He, he was certain that he would also do it in the future. And he leans forward toward verse 6 by thinking about the future. Even as an old man, he has a future. He says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He says, God, you will take care of my eternal needs. Not only my future needs, but my eternal needs. Do you hear, do you hear the confidence uh, in David when, when he writes this last verse? Surely, your goodness. And that wasn't like I hope so. It was for sure. Your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will, not I might, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He had that sort of confidence in his shepherd host. Goodness and love will follow me for however many days David's got left. He says, and I will be a full-time resident in your house. The older I get and the more hair I lose and the whiter my hair gets and the multiplication of um, wrinkles, I tend to think more and more about the new heavens and the new earth. I think about what will it be like. Uh, someone says, well, you got a long time yet. And I go, I'm past middle age because I don't want to double how how old I am and live that far, okay? So I'm in the fourth quarter. But it's a comfort to me, too, to know that I will be in the presence of the Lord one day. I think about it a lot, what it would be like to be in the light of his glory with no sin. A lot of my prayer is about my sin. And I won't, that'll be something we won't talk about anymore. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. I want to go past that. Um, those of you that have been to college or high school, you might have heard of this um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. In your mind, there's probably a triangle there. Every psych, you know, psych 101 or psychology class has it. He wrote a paper in 1943 outlining that, and he's, he called it, the, the paper is called A Theory of human motivation and he suggests that people have are made motivated to meet their most basic needs to go to their more advanced needs and he said the the most advanced need they have is they want to be all that they can be that's how he wrote it and to achieve this ultimate goal he says you need to have food safety love and his high thing was self-actualization and right underneath that was self-esteem I want to tell you I disagree with that. Let me tell you why. You've got it. You've heard it. You've been taught it. But think about Psalm 23 and then that. Here's my point. From old man David's point of view, the highest need he had, and he believes that you and I have, is to be a sheep with a good shepherd. And then he will provide your 
physical needs all the way down to your eternal needs. It's not that you do it yourself and that you provide this and provide that or somebody else provides it. The point is God provides for his sheep. David has been given more than he ever deserved. So this psalm teaches us a few things. One, God's goodness comes from his nature and not because of your or my worthiness. God's love comes from his character, not as a result of our virtue. And if David could ask for anything... After studying this psalm, I think the one thing he wants from God is to be in God's house. Not to visit, not to rent it like an Airbnb. He wants to be a permanent resident in God's house, and God's provided, says he will provide that for them. Now, this psalm is comforting. God takes care of our needs. You've got a list of them there. I tried to elucidate that, but I kind of skipped one thing. And that's the first phrase in the psalm where it says the Lord is my shepherd. I need to tell you that all the benefits that I've just listed of being a sheep of God, being one of his children, do not apply to you unless it has become personal that Christ is your shepherd, my shepherd. If you never come to the place where you've trusted in Christ as your Savior, you cannot write a check on this account. Don't look to Psalm 23 to be comforting. It is one of the most comforting psalms in all the Bible. But it should not be comforting to you unless you have a personal relationship with Christ because it doesn't apply. Your check will bounce if you don't know him as your personal Savior. But if you do, you can dance the gospel dance. You can enjoy all that God has for you and has promised to take care of you. The Lord is my shepherd. Is that true of you? So physical needs, spiritual needs, emotional needs, social needs, eternal needs. What are your needs? Do they fall in any of those categories? Let's talk to the shepherd. Father, we do have needs. We are very needy. We complain. We moan. We complain to other people. We complain to our spouses. We want something we don't have. We are fearful. We try to control things. We get our comfort zone pushed around too much. And oftentimes we just want to scream. We blow it. We are sinful just like David. We need you. And Father, I pray for the person here that maybe they've realized that, boy, this sounds great. But I don't know Jesus yet. And Father, I pray that you would touch their heart and you would make them uncomfortable until you draw them to yourself and they're willing to demonstrate repentance of their sins and faith in you as their shepherd king's savior. And we'll pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.